so excited to finally be in my own space. I got to got to go ahead yesterday, um, and to like that I get to move in on the first, and and then I was like thinking like I've never got to design my own office space. Like every place I've ever worked, like it's already been set up or it was like somebody else's business and they had the vision for how it should look. And maybe I got a little input, but like they just bought the furniture and, but like I get to, I have my own budget. I have my own, uh, I have my own, get to have my own vision of what it looks like. So like I got, to, I went to like Dania, Danya, or is it Don? I think it's Danya. Uh, and it's a furniture store right over here. It's a really fancy store or fancy for Spokane. And, uh, I, uh, I, I get to pick out, coffee tables and chairs and a, like a, an actual podcasting table. And like, uh, and it's just like, uh, I didn't think I'd ever be here in the like two years that I've been doing this. And so mm-hmm. like to actually like have that happen is just like, it feels un- kind of unreal. And I was like telling, I was texting my, my partner yesterday. I was just like, I've never done this before. And I get to like go, buy stuff for myself and mm-hmm. like I get to design it myself and like don't have to like even like this has been nice having like a semi-permanent space but like even then like I'm I'm sharing this desk usually with two other people and like I have to tell them hey like today I'm going to be podcasting from like 10 to 2 and it it's kind of like well now I'm taking over their their workspace mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like I'm intruding though I shouldn't be and uh so now I get to Never worry. I mean, not never, but I don't have to worry about that for right now. So, awesome. congrats to you. Man. Yeah, so thank that's, you. That's, that's big. Um, and then you're yeah, not just been worried. Quite a journey too. It it has <laughs> been, um, and that's a good place to start. Welcome to Spocast Breaking Patterns. I am here with Carlos Jones of is I'm it's North Star Leadership Coaching, and uh, this a quick brief background Carlos has been my coach for I'm just gonna say five years I think we started working together in like 2016 and we worked on and off during that for about three years um and then when I left my previous place of where I was working where I was getting coach like support from them I left on my own and I and you just kept on working with me and it's and you've done that graciously for you've done that graciously for the last two years. And I don't want, don't want to say anything else other than like, thank you for being a part of this. I, there's multiple people that I have to thank for being where I'm at. I have to thank my like psychiatrist, my therapist. And another big part of that is Carlos. Like, uh, I think Carlos actually encouraged me to go see a therapist because I was having dealing with like depression, anxiety, and when I started seeing a therapist, um, it determined that I had ADD. And then it kind of became like, oh, I've had ADD my whole life. I've just, I'm now finally getting diagnosed with it. And now I'm actually on the medicine that I need to be on. And once I got on the medicine that I needed to be on, like it changed my life. I'm like, no more anxiety, no more depression. I'm doing better at my work, but like now I don't want to do my job anymore. Like I want to do what makes me um, excited about life. And that's, you know, helping people make podcasts. Uh, and I just can't, I, and I, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I am today without um, the guidance and the, uh, 
of Carlos. Um, I can say that honestly. So I, I appreciate all our time together and all of our conversations. And uh, thank you. <laughs> you're Thanks, you're man. an amazing coach. And uh, and if you're ever thinking about anyone thinking about getting any type of coaching, like do it because like I think people think about coaching as like a like. I don't need to better myself because I already have it figured out or I don't want help figuring it out. And that's just not true. Like right. if you need help with anything in life, you should help have people help you. I think that's interesting because like, let's look at like sports athletes, you know, it's kind of like mm. the gladiator of the world. And you know, you, you, a kid's in high school, he's looking physically fit. He seems to be agile enough to, to do these tough things and then what do we do we get him a coach because he's a prodigy and we can put him in a position that's gonna you know move him forward why is that only in the frame of sports Mm. you know why can't that be um somebody who is an accountant somebody who is a psychologist Mm. why can't that be just a kid in college you know we're trying to find a rhythm and everybody could use some guidance not just be thrown to the wolves now obviously in nomadic times before the industrial revolution and all that stuff, there were different measures people took, but we are privileged now more than Mm. ever to live the way we live. And if you can and feel shaky in, in your journey, I think having a coach period uh, can benefit you uh, tremendously. Just like you introducing Carlos and again, a pleasure to meet you, dude. Yeah. You as well, man. Yeah. Um, So I want to say before you move on, (laughs) it's been a real pleasure coaching you and I like working with good people. And one of the things mm. that stood out immediately about you is you're good people. And I think one of your highest values, if I could say it this way, is you put people first. Mm. You're also incredibly intelligent and incredibly talented at what you do. But the fact that you have that ethic about people really is makes you easy to work with. And mm. I, I enjoy working with you. And, and it's real. I'm so excited for your success. And, and I don't know how much your audience knows about your journey and how mm. far you've come, but Basically, you went from working for people to working, you know, for other people's businesses, and now you got your own, and yeah. you're doing a lot of good in the world. And so, it's been really cool to watch your journey. Thank you, I, 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 I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's nice to hear. And I, I think I talk a lot about on. I mean, I don't know. I've I've lost count of how many podcasts I talk on. Like, there's countless podcasts I talk on, and I don't. So I, I think I've talked about it on Spocast sometimes, and. But yeah, I, I, it's something that, you know, I, I like talking about just because it, I've had multiple people just tell, I've talked to people like just breaking, you know, talking about breaking patterns, breaking the idea, idea, <clears throat> idea, I can't say the word, ideal of um, having to go see someone for help. And I've, multiple friends I've talked to have started going to see therapists, have gotten the help they needed. Like when I started talking about my ADD and that I had it, I think multiple people are like, maybe I have that. And I've met, I mean, not met, but I've multiple friends have now reached out to therapists and now are taking medication or getting the help they need to, you know, better their lives. Uh, and so I do talk about that a lot, but uh, I will say um, this to preface all of this. When I first started coaching with Carlos, I, my, so my friend, Tony, who owns the wood shop, he was like, we're going to, I'm going to have you do some coaching. And I was just like, this is stupid. Like, I do not need this at all. Like, I do not need to go, did not need to go to coaching. I was like, I think I even told you that when we first met, when we met at um, first half coffee that, uh, 
I probably sat across from you with arms crossed and like, was just like, I'm not gonna lie. I don't think I'm gonna really get much from this. Like, I don't want to talk about, I like, and I came with a bunch of like ideas. Like I knew you were Christian and I was like, I don't want to talk about my faith. I don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. And I don't see how this is important for bettering my life. I, I'm already, I've already, I'm already doing what I want to do. I'm working in a marketing agency. (laughs) <laughs> talk about a defense wall <laughs> right but i remember that yeah that's funny yeah um, you were a big stone wall to begin with yeah and i think and i think a lot of i mean i've broken a lot of those barriers of mm-hmm. being able to talk about that and i think a lot of that is just like having a lot of conversations with you and just with everyone um but really what we're here to talk about is you know the breaking patterns part of of this me and john have both started this year with the, the goal of drink, not drinking. Um, I failed at that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to lie. I've, I've failed at that. Um, but I, I think we started cause we want to figure out ways to live our lives, um, more consciously, more with purpose, more, um, mindful in, with mindfulness. And, and I, one of our goals of having breaking patterns was to have experts, coaches, people that have that have helped people through these uh, breaking patterns and I one of the where we wanted to start with this conversation was identifying negative patterns in your life like and like me back in that when I was not wanting to be coached like that was an negative pattern like I wasn't open to having conversations with people so like where do like I I'm I'm struggling with where to start but like i put down like identify negative patterns like what does someone need to do to like start there like how to identify a negative yeah (laughs) well it depends on what you mean by negative but fundamentally i would say what you're getting at is what's something i want to change or get rid of Mm. or a habit that i want to stop doing something like that yeah Mm -hmm. all right well i would just say the first place to start is pain or frustration is is there something that's painful in my life like Mm. Um, am I, am I unhealthy and that's causing me issues? Am I, is there stuff in my relationships that that are frustrating or am I not reaching my goals or there's always some kind of pain. It can be mental, spiritual, emotional, physical Mm -hmm. pain. So pain is a really good place to look is I'm just not happy with where things are at. It's not, something's not working. Mm. And being able to admit that, I think you, when we were talking before this, John, you had mentioned the permission, basically the permission to say, I'm, I'm upset. I'm angry. This isn't working is the mm. first, just being honest with myself that something isn't working and I don't like where it is, is the first place. And then the second would be get super curious without any judgment about that. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that? Why am I, I've had days or you can ask my wife earlier, early and not because of my marriage, but just because of my unresolved stuff back when it used to be unresolved a lot of my pain from childhood was unresolved and I would end up in my adulthood just angry and not knowing why I'm angry, but rather than push it away or numb out or drink it away or smoke it away or whatever, I just gave myself permission to hang out with it. Mm. You know, I don't know why I'm angry and that would go and it was frustrating because weeks and weeks and weeks on end of being angry and not knowing why mm-hmm. it's really frustrating. Cause I'd rather know why and go be able to do something about yeah, it. Yeah. Right. So sometimes it's a bit of, I think part of the reason people have a hard time breaking patterns to begin with is the discomfort of having to hang out with 
discomfort yeah. for a while without having any clear answers, yeah. but having the permission to say something's not working. Yeah. And that takes humility to do that. Like you were saying, your process of opening up with a coach, me mm-hmm. or a therapist or whatever, that was an act of humility over t- that came over time. Because mm. it started with, I know what I'm, I've got it all under control. I don't need help was basically where that sits. Mm. And part of that can be out of a lack of vulnerability or embarrassment or thinking mm. we should, you know, we're trying to keep up with the Joneses or look a certain way or right. keep a reputation, whatever. But once we let that guard down and go, you know what, who cares what other people think of me? I got to take care of myself. Yeah, I got to figure some stuff out. That humility comes in, then we're able to go and open up with people. So, but I would start with pain. What what's not working? What am I pissed off about? What am I afraid of? Mm. For me, I can tell. If you want, I can share personally what that was for me. Yeah, I, I, I was going to ask you about like starting in coaching because I, I we didn't really intro that. Like you're a coach, like and you weren't a coach originally. Like was that? Uh, I wasn't born a coach. Yeah, you weren't born a coach. <laughs> <laughs> like was there something there? Like what drew you to that? And like what helped break? that pattern of what you were doing to become that like to be get into coaching to also I, I but yeah I want to also talk about I also want to talk about your example of that sure too. so I'll do the how I became a coach yeah I'll do that briefly yeah and then I'll get to the to my example of things not working so for me um similar to you I was working a job that was making it was paying the bills mm-hmm. it wasn't great huge money but it was it paid my bills and it was what I needed and I was miserable inside of it. Mm. And I was miserable because the impact I was having on people was not the impact I actually wanted to have. Mm. And it wasn't a bad impact. I was, I was helping people flip houses or get out of their house when they were losing it during the big crash. Mm. And I was like, this is, so I was showing up for people at a time when somebody had either passed away or lost a job or got sick or got divorced or lost something major in their life. And now they're losing uh, their house on top of it. And I was like, man, and now we're, and my company's profiting off of that or the company I was part of mm. profiting off of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's how the market's correct. So I have nothing against that industry, but that just wasn't the role I wanted to play in my life. And yeah. so what's funny is my boss at the time knew a co- somebody had just graduated from a coaching school and said, they kind of remind me of Carlos for some reason. So I'm going to have those two talk. And you know, we went to a conference and I met that person in Connecticut and 10 seconds into her telling me what she did as a coach, I knew mm. I was like, I'm done with the real estate. I'm out. And two weeks later I was actually in San Diego going through a year long certification course mm. wow. for coaching. And I just knew it. There was something in me. I just knew it. Mm. Uh, and so a year later I graduated from that and became a coach. Nice. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Uh, so yeah, what, what your negative pattern, what was that? Oh there? yeah. For me, the wake up call was, I was in my mid thirties, not married mm. and my pattern in relation. So I was dating a girl and all of a sudden I was not interested in her. And I was like, it, I woke up to the fact, I'm like, how is this happening again? My pattern was I'd go six to 12 months in a relationship mm. and then become completely disinterested mm. and then go find somebody else and do it again and go find yeah. somebody else and do it again over and over and over. I'm like, I want to get married and have kids at some point. Yeah. Like, this cannot go on forever. And I was really frustrated and I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. The way I, so beyond pattern recognition is also pattern breaking. Mm-hmm. And so part of what happened in that relationship was I realized I'm hurting this person. I'm not trying to hurt this person. Mm. Um, I don't want to hurt. I have all good intentions. And so this is probably the, 
most courageous thing I ever did. And I think I've told you this story before, but I went to her. She's now my wife, by the way, mm. went to her. And I said, would you take a few days and write down all the ways in which I've hurt you, let you down or been anything less than loving and kind towards you. And then call me when you're ready. And my commitment is I'm going to come and listen to that list and then try to change my life mm. around that list. Wow. And about a week later, she called. She said she was ready. I went to her apartment, went in, sat down, and I'm ready. I'm like, I bet I know I know what I do mm. that's not right or whatever. So I, I thought I had a pretty good handle on what was coming. No way. Yeah. First of all, she had seven pages of bullet points. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. And she started, she didn't even get through the first page, and I was crying my eyes out was pissed because you were just completely unaware. Yeah. And it was because it was saying things that I was intentionally not trying to be, I'm like, here's the impact I want to have on this person. Yeah. And they're telling me I'm having the opposite. And so it felt, I was offended. Yeah. yeah. I was offended, hurt, embarrassed, shamed, guilty. And I got up and this is the worst part of the whole thing. I got up and said, if you ever talk to me like that again, I'm never going to talk to you. You had a moment. And I left. You I had a moment. It was beyond myself. Oh yeah. I had a moment. <laughs> yeah. Went down to my truck and thought to myself, what are you doing? You're the one that asked for the feedback. You're right. the one that got the feedback. It takes courage to give pe- feedback like that. Mm-hmm. So get back up there and man up and listen. And mm. uh, so I did. And she finished the rest of those six and a half more pages. <laughs> and I was just, I was completely shattered. How old were you at the time? Mid thirties, probably 35 or so. Mm, right. But it was, um, yeah, that wrecked me. And it was perfect. That was the intervention I needed. It was self-induced intervention, but it was, that's it. We have to recognize a pa- So the pattern was I keep restarting relationships instead of moving on to what I actually want. Why is that? Yeah. And then going and asking for feedback was my way of interrupting and figuring out who am I being in the relationship? So you because always I, did that. You always, inter- you always like try to get feedback on it. No, but oh. I always thought it was them. Like I started nitpicking. Gotcha. Like, this is what's wrong with them. And this is where they're not enough. And this is where they're too much. And so I had the, these critiques of them. So my way hmm. of interrupting it was, I wonder what I'm like in a relationship. What's it like to date me? And so. And how that, long were y'all dating? If you don't mind. Um, at that point, we were probably two or three years in. Wow. Maybe two years. So she's definitely got her. Like she's, she's like, no, nah, I've been, I've been around you. I know. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. She yeah. 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 It wasn't like three weeks or anything. Right. So, uh, yeah, so the intervention was to take a look at myself in a way that I just never had. So I put myself under the microscope of her name's Andreen, by the way. Put myself under Shout the out mi- to Andreen. Yeah, she's awesome. And uh, so put myself under the microscope of Andreen. She gave me feedback. It was really hard, wrecked me, and that put me in a therapist's office. Mm-hmm. And I just said, man, I have some massive blind spots, apparently. And it came down to childhood issues that had been unresolved. And fundamentally, it was abandonment. It was fear of abandonment. Guilty. Mm. And now, and then it made sense. I was like, I could look back. Guilty. And go, of course, because six to 12 months into a relationship, you kind of got to decide this is it or not. Yeah. And at that point, the intimacy was close enough that all my abandonment fears would come up. But they didn't occur to me like an abandonment fear. They occurred to me like I'm getting tired of this person. Yeah. And that's what it sounds. So it wasn't obvious. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's with the help so of a therapist, we got down to the root of that. What were, so interesting. what were some of like the things that she said? If you don't mind. Oh, you make me feel like I'm worthless. Mm. Um, I'd like, I don't matter. I mean, it was just like all the, the opposite of yeah. who I would actually 
was intending to be and how I saw myself. Mm-hmm. And there is a difference between intention and impact. And mm. I had to get really straight with, I was like, it doesn't matter how good my intentions are. Yeah. Whatever I'm doing in this relationship is leaving this other person bleeding on the side of the road. And that is absolutely not what I want to do. And so that was that gut check. I'm like, man, am I really a monster like yeah. that? Holy That's crap. interesting. Cause like for me, I, I, um, I've had a similar experience with a female where, you know, I'm, I'm holding her and I'm, you know, embracing her, but I'm checked out in my mind Mm -hmm. in a completely different place. Like, don't get me wrong. Like the, the, the physical emotions are there. We make love. We, I please her. I satisfy her. But the, the whale where I'm pulling this love from is dry. Mm. And, I'm terrified. It's like every night I'm sleeping in the same bed. I'm gritting my teeth in my sleep. I'm talking in my sleep and she acknowledges those things, but I'm so blind to them. And what do Mm. I do? I I put them on my job. I put them on my lack of satisfaction for my career. Mm. I put them on everything else, but the fact that I'm hurting from the negligence that my parents were, were, you know, did to me Mm. and I, I refuse to accept it. Mm. So I, I it was, I guess in a way different is you think you're baby. I love you. Like I'm here, I'm here, but you're not mm. like you, you're mm-hmm. not that you're not seeing them the way they want to be seen. You're seeing them in a light that you want to see them in. Mm. And that is a big problem. And the one that, you know, I'm still working through now. So well, here, hearing that, hearing that I'm like, <laughs> deep shit especially because like what you did was you kind of took the knife of of curiosity and was like i need to know and mm. her calling you out like self-induced you know like that's just oh man like my ego like when i was going through that with my my ex-girlfriend at the time we were together for three years and then it we we broke up um i remember you know we met up a month after and she was like, I'm going to tell you what you, and I only could hear her for maybe 15 minutes before I said, you know what? You're right. And I'm sorry. But even at that time saying, I'm sorry, I was just so full of myself until this day, you know, I, there's many things I'm like, fuck John, you are just, you're full of shit. Mm. So hearing that, I'm like, damn, that's deep. Wow. Wow. Carlos, that's amazing. <laughs> well, that's amazing how quick you took to that and can identify it in you as well Mm -hmm. i tell everybody like especially because i'm celibate right now i Mm -hmm. went from so when i was like 18 i was a stripper like i became an exotic dancer for a little bit because i was making money to take care of my brother and i've had tons of intimacy in my life with with uh women and men like i've explored i've and it went from like the idea of romance like people were always like have you ever made love and i'm like have I ever made love hmm. like real love? Like where she's crying and she's right. feeling like this. I love you kind of thing. I've never experienced that in my life hmm. because it became a game and it. And it's an unconscious pattern of my family. You know, when I was five, my uncles put porn on the big screen in the fucking living room and you're just watching sex because it's like, you're a man, you please women. And all the men on my mother's side of the family were just satisfying women to satisfy them as opposed to embracing who they are Mm -hmm. and being the leader you need to be. Once I realized, you know, I was like 24, 25, 
holy shit, I'm so fucked up. <laughs> I like, I walked away. And ever since then, I just, I've stayed away from relationships just for the sense of like, get your feet right mm-hmm. and check yourself. Good for you, man. And it's, it's hard. It's hard. But That's one part of the intervention is the abstinence that you're practicing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, I'll admit from having flings all the time and watching women feel away, like I, like I, I got off on it, but it's, it's, it's a sinful, dirty world. And I don't, once I understood soul bonding and what that does to a woman's neurological chemistry, mm-hmm. I had to step, I had to step out of it. Mm-hmm. Women deserve more than that. And, um, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, people have their fun, whatever, but just know there are repercussions regardless of whether or not you want to acknowledge them. Um, I don't have any problems while she drinks her third martini. There's no problem while she refuses to answer her mother's phone calls. Right. There's so many things. And I acknowledge those things. I hang out with a girl for a week or two and I'm like, do you want to have an ear or do you want my honest advice? Mm. Sweetheart, you're hurting, but you're not the only one, bitch. I am too. (laughs) So, you know, it's (laughs) like, I feel it. But yeah, damn, that story just opened my eyes. Thank Mm. you. Thank you. Uh, it kind of sounds like, I mean, with the, getting into like the steps of like recognizing like your patterns is like, you know, having the vulnerability to like, to do that. The, I mean, to like to be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What, like, what was that first step? Like it was like, I mean, obviously you saw the pattern, you approached it, you figured you got to the root of the problem with your relationship. Yeah. And then, but then that wasn't the root of it. Yep. I got deeper than I thought though. Right. I thought she was going to say, you're an okay, you get a B plus. Oh. <laughs> and instead I walked out with an F and then I checked into a therapist. I actually remember my very first therapy meeting and what that guy said right at the top actually was um, so profound to me and it changed me. He said, where do you, he asked me like, what are your goals? Like, where do you see yourself down the road? And I want to help people. And so I saw myself on a stage helping people. And I was like, I see myself on a stage. My words reverberate through a crowd mm. and the crowd's transformed as I'm speaking. And he's like, I don't give a crap about that. <laughs> so what's your relationship with your mom? What's your relationship with your dad? What's your relationship to yourself? What's your relationship with the people that matter in your life? And I was like, they're all shit. Nietzsche. All of it. Yep. And he's like, that's what I care about because your heart is in your relationships. And this is a relational, the world is real. I mean, people are relational at mm. the core. And so the quality of your relationships is the core of you. And so that's what I care about. And if the stage comes to you, great. And if the stage never comes to you, I don't care we're going to work on relationships. Mm. And that was the beginning of something. And so, which is funny that I said a stage because Andrina just told me I'm a wreck in relationships. So why is the stage still my, <laughs> and part of that's ego, part of it's whatever. I'm not going to mm. make it wrong. Right. I think fundamentally, if I could phrase it differently, I want to have a good, meaningful, influential impact on a lot of people mm. and help them transform their own lives. And so that's what I still want. But the path to that, I believe is relationships. Right. Agreed. Mm. Me and God, me and myself, me and other people. Yeah. Right. Mm. Wow. That's, see, that's crazy because, you know, you're like me on stage and saying this and the amount of times I've told people the same thing, you know, Mm. Mm. and you mentioned like, what's the relationship with your mother and your father? Me and my mother, respectfully, mom, if you're listening to this, I love you. 
but I fucking hate you too. <laughs> you piss me off. The things that I duck your calls for so many reasons. I'm not afraid to talk about these things because she mm-hmm. fucking knows. She knows when we're in a room, there's tension. It's it's hard and it's heavy. Mm. And I can swallow my pride a month out of the year, but that's it. And then when my father, he's a military vet, a man who volunteered to raise me, not my real father. I found that out last year. And oh my goodness. Yeah, dude. Because they just didn't know how to, you know, with him being in the military, my mother having a huge gambling issue and, you know, a, a fear of not living her life to the fullest. She had kids and, and there was a sense of her that was just afraid of like, well, is this my life, you know? And so she was just always out and about gambling, doing her thing while I was left to raise my brother. And so a piece of me is very resentful. I mean, a big piece of me is resentful. And that's something like I'm working through every single day. I see mm-hmm. her phone pop up on my phone. She's calling me and I'm like, why answer this phone? Cause you're not, you're not listening to me. You're just hearing me. Mm-hmm. And she still talks to me like I'm two. You know what I mean? Like, why I'm grown, like you know, mm-hmm. and so and then like with my dad, everybody's like, "How often do you talk to your dad?" I'm like, "I talk to him, you know, maybe once a month." You know, well, why? I'm like, "Well, honestly, I probably if it was up to me, it'd be a little longer because why talk to him if I don't have anything proud to show him?" Mm. But you know, I remember us talking to my buddy Eric. He lives off Five Mile, and he goes, "Take it from somebody who has it, who's still grateful to have his dad in his life. Your dad doesn't care about." what you you've already made it mm. call them yeah call them <laughs> i was just gonna say the same thing like i heard something on a podcast the other day and um and i it, it struck me so much because and something i've talked to Car- Car- carlos about is just like your parents because like we hold our parents on this pedestal of like because they're our parents and like when we're kids like we see our parents as being our heroes and when right. our parents do when our parents do bad things and they mess up, which they are going to do. We, we get into this really like our heroes are like, I'm mad at them. And this guy said, like, when I realized my parent, my, my, my dad was, or my mom was just a human being and that they have issues just like me and that I shouldn't hold them on this pedestal. Like it made me just realize like, that's everyone. Like, I mean, I'm always going to be, I'm always going to have my narcissism. I'm always going to have like what's important to me and my kids are always going to love me, but they're going to have problems too. And the best I can do is make sure that they, when they grow up, that they know that like, I'm not perfect. And I think, and I'm not saying that you don't think I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like my parents got divorced after 30 years of marriage and I hate them for that. Like, and I hate my dad for, you know, cheating on my mom and I, and I hate all that, but like, my dad's just a, a guy that who wanted to, who wasn't happy in his relationship. And like, and I just have to, I feel like instead of being sad about it and like holding my parents up on this pedestal, like I just need to be, treat them like humans and like peers almost like, cause there's right. a point where you as an adult, like you become peers with your parents and like, you do. and, and your parents just want to love you and be with you. And, and that's probably really hard for them. Cause I, we get that. I mean, we get the ability of being able to talk about this and parents, some, a lot of in the older generation, just, they don't talk about mm-hmm. it. It was, yeah. a, it was a very surface level. So anyway, I know that was a kind of a tangent of what we're no, talking but about. No, true. You're actually pointing to something really, really important, which is 
the adult that gets to look back at childhood and make some decisions about what am I going to do about that? Mm -hmm. And you have a very mature, you're like, Hey, they're human beings. They make mistakes. Like we can reason that. But the other part of it is what was the experience like as a child when your parents were screwing up? Yeah. And that's a very different experience because as children, we can't reason the way we do now. Right. And that's where most of the damn, that's why almost every therapist will go back to childhood because when you're, you know, two years old, three years old, four years old, just moving through all the ages, kids need different things. And when those things aren't supplied, mm. there's damage that's different. done. Yeah. And on top of that, as kids, we try to make sense of what's happening around us. And if there's violence or neglect or abandonment or any of those kind of things going on, a child intuitively makes it mean something about themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if mom and dad split when the kid is seven, the child makes it mean there's something wrong with me that's not worth sticking around for. Mm, right. And then that becomes the child's identity to the child, even though nobody said that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the problem with that is now the kid has to solve the problem of themselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if the problem is I'm not worth sticking around for, that becomes a, an ingrained way of thinking that carries into adulthood. And then that's how they do relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm not worth sticking around for. Mm-hmm. So they figure out ways of sabotaging relationships in order to prove that true. Yeah. yeah you know, it's interesting. I reference biblical scripture for that exact thing. Like it's me, um, Genesis three eleven. um, who told you you were naked? Mm-hmm. Who told you that? Mm-hmm. I didn't tell you that. Mm-hmm. Right. You, 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 did you eat from the, I told, who told you that? I never told you. I didn't call you dumb. Mm-hmm. I didn't call you anxious. I didn't say you were the reason I left. You made that up on your own. Mm-hmm. You'd Satan or th- that, that spirit thought was there. That thought yeah. was there. And no one gave you the, the go ahead that that was true. Mm-hmm. I remember my father, it was after uh, my girlfriend and I had split up. He came upstairs. I was about 24, 23, 25, something, something like that. I got a new job and he had water in his eyes and he goes, I'm going to divorce your mother. Mm. I smiled at him. I smiled as big as I could because my dad's deserved more since I can remember. Mm. I gave him a big hug and I said, I'm proud of you. Mm. I know I know, like, and I've always known every, cause every time we'd see my mom's side of the family, they were like, oh, you got such a good daddy. You got such a good dad. And I look at him like, bitch, I know that. <laughs> I know I've got a great dad. That's why none of like, I look at all my families, none of on my mother's side, none of them have father figures. Mm. None of them. Mm. My dad played the role. He did it. And he never once made it seem like oh, I'm just obligated. Mm. That's awesome. My dad told me when he told me about it, he goes, I want you to know this before I say anything. You are my fucking son. Mm. You are my son. And, you know, and I was just like, dad, I love you, man. Like that'll never change. So, you know, when he told me about his divorce, I was just like, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Like, I I want you to be happy. He goes, because I mean, I saw how my mom treated my dad. And in many ways, I look at my past relationships and how women treated me. And I accepted it because I was like, well, this is just how it goes. Mm. Yeah. I'm nothing to them. I, I like there change. it is. You just I think <laughs> uncovered your own story about you. Yeah, yeah. I'm nothing. I'm nothing, mm. and it's the truth. And like I'm a piece uh, of meat. I'm a pe- yeah. Like I'm like I just I'm there to make you feel good. And I'm here for your entertainment. Mm-hmm. And it's that's my my story. And it's mm. like 
and you know, my mom, the amount of times as a kid, since I remember, like she'd leave for Honduras for nine months out of the year, my dad'd be deployed, and it's just me and my brother in the house, and I'm like nine years old. How old your brother? He's three years younger than me. Wow. Oh, wow. So, you know, I'm forced to, and you know, people look at like, people are like, oh, are your parents home? I was the, I was the king of lies. Oh, she just ran to the store. You know, yada, yada. Oh, no one's allowed in my house. No, no, we're good. Knock up, peep through the, I just knew, every, I knew what to say. I knew how to do it. Mm-hmm. But with, with my, my, the amount of times my mom would say, you need to be a fucking man. That was her, that was her, her way out of the way she was treating me. Oh, wow. You need to be a fucking man. You need to be a fucking man. You need to be a fucking man. Except it was with an accent. Mira, you need to be a fucking man. Mira, cabron, you need to be a man. And I was just like, and so her thing to hold over my head, I'd be like, where are you going? Where, where are you? She's like, you need to mind your damn business. As an adult now, and she's like, why don't you answer my calls? I'm like, you need to mind your damn business. Mm. And that's a problem. No, because no, I, I need to break that. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, God, John, stop. When I, when, I, when, I, the problem. when I like, when I hear story, when I hear this story, like I, I makes me realize how like privileged I am and like how much my, how much my um, pain is like nothing. <laughs> so, like, okay. So that's interesting too, was <laughs> because I look at, they ran out of my favorite drink at Starbucks. Mm. I'm pissed. Mm. There's a kid waking up with no shoes mm. who typically has maybe a banana and some 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 something else for breakfast. And then he doesn't have that banana, but he has the other thing. Mm. That stress that he feels isn't really any different than the stress I feel because yeah. it's all I've ever grown to know. Yeah. So the the difference in stress, it's it could potentially be like they're different roads, yeah, but they could still be the same amount of stress. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, making sense? totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like Plus, my, my my level of stress and your level of stress are probably equal. It's just like look hearing stories like that makes me realize, like, well, when I'm nine years old, like I couldn't do anything. I could barely do anything by myself. Like I wasn't taking care of my my brothers. I was punching my brothers and like <laughs> I was like the like when the best thing I probably did when I was younger was like I got off the bus with my brother when he was in kindergarten I was in sixth grade and we went into the house together and waited till my parents got home and like that was me taking care of my brother and but at the same time I was probably pestering and being terrible but like we always had that security like I couldn't imagine ever having the my parents just like leaving i couldn't imagine leaving like yeah i'm that that makes me realize like i know that like we have same similar like anxiety stress depression like that kind of stuff but it means but mine your comes from a a different a lot different place than mine does (laughs) i guess that's what i'm trying to get like my comes from like white privilege like when white privilege is a thing reason is is called that for a reason because like when we think of our struggle we think of as being like the the, the hardest thing anyone's ever experienced and then like but at the end of the day i'm a white male in america and my problems are minuscule to like other people mm-hmm. and like so that that's my point is like i i i and so when i say like you should go you should you should <laughs> forgive your mother like that's easy for me to say. Oh yeah, yeah but it's yeah. it's. I don't know the story. It's something like, I work on every. Day. <laughs> like, it's something I work on every fucking day. It's yeah. it's tough. Like on like on Christmas Day, she called me. I was like, I was looking at the phone, and my friend Karis was next to me, and she was like, "Are you gonna answer?" And I was like, "I am." 
So the whole time I'm on the phone, I'm just gritting my teeth. Just mm-hmm. like, cause I'm hearing her talk, but she's not talking to me. She's talking at me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, she's like, I love you. Funk, and I, oh man, oh man. I, I, I. It's just like, right, I love mm-hmm. you too. I love you too. I want to, I, I want to get back to, um, I appreciate you sharing that. I, me, so for, for you, Carlos, I'll probably cut this out of the show just cause we don't need to explain this again on the podcast. Like me and John, like know each other. I learned, we probably learned each stuff about each other every episode. Cause we don't know anything about each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. so like, and to learn that about you is just like, is super eye opening and not, and I'm, I just feel, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, dude, don't, you know, hey, it's life. <laughs> um, so I was talking about steps to break free of the pattern, like the pattern you were, you, you know, you went and saw the therapist, you ended up marrying your wife. Yeah. Like what was the, the pattern that like you ultimately decided that like, like how did that, like you, you, you th- thought you were going to leave your wife or leave your girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Right. So like, what was that? What was how did you repair that? Knowing that, like, started dealing with childhood stuff, like childhood, yeah. yeah. And what I got, so I was adopted. Yeah, my wow. original parents loved to party at night, so they would lock me and my younger brother up in the house from the outside, go and party, and then come back late, you know, early in the morning or whatever. And uh, one night they never came back, and to this day, don't know what happened. So. Ended up in an orphanage and adopted, and then... How old are you? Two and a half. And then my brother was one, and I don't know my brother. He, we got adopted separately, if he got... I'm assuming he got adopted, um, which that was another heartbreaker. I just recently found out my parent, my adopted parents would have been willing to adopt him too, but the agency never said I had a sibling. Wow. Because they were afraid that if they tried to pawn off two, that... They, they, they wouldn't, wouldn't take want, they wouldn't take you. Yep. Wow. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of abandonment crap, just loss of love. I'm not worth it. God, God kills the people that are closest to you. I mean, yeah. I had so many stories in my head. And so the massive amount of survival and self-protection and yeah. walls like you had talked about, yeah. um, earlier I had, I had my heap of those as well. And part of it was I was blind to them. I had just normalized so much of that, that I just, uh, to use your phrase, John, I just call it life. I'm like, that's just life. And, uh, but it was just bothering me so much. That's why I said I interviewed yeah. that. Do, do you remember that? Do you remember that? Like mm. your parents leaving? Like, is it just stuff that you are told and then you, and then you, as a child, you're, you make ideas in your head of what that was like? There's probably some of that, but yeah. I've also done some really deep therapy where they go in and do mm. not hypnosis, but something like hypnosis. Yeah. Where getting into the subconscious yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, stuff comes up like banging on the door and screaming for him to come back. I mean, and it was four days before anybody found us. Wow! So we were wow. we were hungry and thirsty yeah. and dirty diapers. I mean, it was a it was a mess. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad I was not older and right. still remember all of that. Yeah. The problem is, the problem is trying to repair an injury that I don't remember getting yeah. is really hard because then the clues aren't so obvious. Mm-hmm. Like if I knew that they did something in particular. I'd be able to go, here's what happened. And then, you know, some physician would be able to help me figure that out. But I'm like, I don't know what's happening. All I know is I date somebody and then leave and then date and then leave. Gotcha. I don't know what that, and that's the biggest clue I've got. Yeah. And so, mm. yeah, what it took was uh, going and opening up to somebody else that was really good in their field. And so I've had 
you know, people that get into the subconscious work, neuroemotional therapy, mm. um, uh, lots of holistic people, um, therapists, counselors, and coaches. And mm. you'll be surprised. You know what it's like to talk to other coaches? Mm. It's like, so last week I was talking to my therapist and they sent me over to the holistic guy and then, <laughs> and then they got this and a lot like coaches are interested in human transformation yeah, and right. some stuff. Somebody explained it really. I love this analogy. It's like a car. If you're trying to pimp out your car, you need a coach. Yeah. Um, you do. If you're, and, uh, but if something's broken, uh, you need to go to the, uh, mechanic. Right. It's a whole different thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to make coaching just about pimping somebody's life. <laughs> right, we talk right. about serious things, but yeah. it can feel like it, but there's like a point at which in a person. Yeah. Like my, myself, I was genuinely stuck mm. because I didn't know what the issue was. Yeah. That's not a coaching problem. Mm-hmm. That's actually a therapeutic problem. Yeah. A therapist helps me uncover the things that I cannot uncover. Yeah. Right. A coach helps me uncover the things that I can uncover mm-hmm. if I just look. Yeah. If I take a look and that's probably the biggest thing I would say is access to identifying and changing bad patterns is taking a look. Yeah. What am I doing? And what's the result of that? Right. What, like for someone who has never like even done, done coaching or has had, has access to that. Like, is there like a good way of like figuring that, like, helping yourself figure that kind of stuff out. Like it's just such a weird thing to talk about because like when I go to, when I think about like, I didn't need coaching. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably, you've probably thought about like doing stuff like this. Like there's like, you've thought about having a coach or going to a therapist. So like, we're not really, we're helping people that are already trying to get help. But like when you're not, not getting, when you're not actually looking for help, but you need help, like what are ways to like, break through to someone like that. Like, I guess that, that, that's a better way of putting it because there are people listening to this that would be like, I, I know someone that has these problems, but like, how do I break through to them to tell them that they need this? I was literally <laughs> going to say, I was like, there are people listening to it. are like, fuck that. I don't need this. Oh. I don't like, uh, like the wall, like you were mentioning that mm. you had when you first shut up. Listen, I don't need you to tell me how I'm going to live my life. I, I run into that shit every day. You know what happens as a coach is, the first relationship I have with most clients is they project me as their mom or their dad. That's mm. so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and so I have to quickly get out of that in their perception by mm. just addressing it. Yeah. Um, so one of the first front conversations we have is they're like, what was the deal with your mom and dad? How did they let you down? Blah, mm. blah, blah. And then we get to, they've internalized. So the, the client has internalized beliefs about themselves based on mom and dad's behavior. Mm. And then they're responsible for that. Like, mm. holy crap, I became an asshole to women because of how I was raised, but that's not on my parents anymore. That's on me now. So mm. what am I going to do about that? Yeah. Um, but the other thing is coaching is not information driven. It's relationship driven. Mm. And so I actually had, um, some past clients come in uh, recently and I wanted their feedback on what was, what worked for them in coaching, what didn't work for them in coaching. Mm. And the biggest feedback they gave me was we feel safe. Mm. I, they, I feel safe telling you things I wouldn't even tell my spouse or I haven't told her yet or whatever. <laughs> right. um, I feel safe telling you something I, that I would reserve for probably one or two people on the planet. And it's a place where people get to say and let loose and and just let everything show 
And for the first time, what, what that, the, me getting that information is not the value. Mm. Them saying it out loud and hearing what they're saying is the value. And so it's, in a lot of ways, it's not me seeing them that matters. It's them being able to see themselves clearly for the first time mm. is where that value is like, oh, wow, that is what I, I can see people like coming to these revelations just mm. by talking. That's yeah. interesting. And being able to talk in a safe place is such a gift. And that's often what's missing in childhood is, not being able to express or feel understood as a child, as we're going through lots of transitions and growth and just mm. dealing with life in general. And so we don't have the habit of that. Is there a fear of reaction? Like, you know, like my, my mom will react this way or my dad will react this way. Like a uh, lot of absolutely. that, because I mean, I, I've experienced that in the sense of mm. since they were never really there. Um, and also, you know, being the big brother, I didn't want to show any weakness, you mm. know, like I'm like, there's this thing bothering me, but, you know, I, I'm the big brother. You just got to be the big brother. Right. And so, you know, there is that piece of me. That's interesting. Uh, I, I did want to ask you about writing, like journaling. Mm-hmm. I'm a big journaler. I've got like four or five just since I've moved here, just journal. I journal every day. I haven't as of lately because my schedule has been crazy, but I'm, I'm making more time for that. Um, and I always say journal because you physically identify the minuscule and then the severity of certain ideas that cross your mind. Mm. At least that's what I've grown to understand. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's great. Yeah. Journaling is a great way to do self-awareness work. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I, what am I physically feeling in my body? And to get mm. all that out. Another, I would say, and using your non-dominant hand or your non-writing hand to journal can actually access inner child thoughts and mm. feelings and it's a whole, it just goes up a whole dimension really? in terms of insight. As a matter of fact, I did a journal. I journaled for a while where dominant hand is me now and non-dominant hand would respond to questions. So dominant hand, I go, hi, this is Carlos at 40 years old, blah, 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 blah. How are you doing today? And non-dominant hand would be the inner child answering. And the first answer was actually, fuck you, you don't care. I was like, wow, that's interesting. So I was like, I actually do care. I would love to hear what you have to say. And like, I'm having a rough day. And I was back and forth and back and forth. And that was so wow. insightful uh, mm. to what, what I was feeling. Because, you know, we are our inner child. There's not actually an inner child that's separate. Yeah. But it's our, it's our unresolved emotions yeah. mm-hmm. sitting there. Gosh. You said something about, like, reactions, like, I was just thinking, it made me think, like, there are so many things where, like, I realized that, like, I'm reacting to Abby, my wife, as, like, my mom. Because, like, and I'm just, like, I'm, and I've talked to, yeah, I've talked to, I just, like, and I just, like, and it's something I need to break a pattern of. I need to stop getting into that zone of, like, treating, like, when Abby asked me to do something, it's not coming from my mom it's coming from my wife who i love i mean i love my mom too but like it's just like that's so true or or like even my children like acting like my mom and like not saying that what my mom did was wrong but like just like i do have all these these patterns of in my life right now that i'm reflecting from my childhood (laughs) and it's just like it's such a like when we think of breaking patterns like i think like it started of like with drinking like drinking too much and like, but it's, it's so much deeper. Like the patterns are so much deeper than just that. That's such a, that's such a surface level pattern. Like uh, to me at least. And, and when I think about all these deeper patterns, I'm just like, man, I, 
I have so much more to work on. <laughs> well, I would say, you know what? The patterns you can see to break are the right ones to deal with. Right. And then when you d- actually break that pattern, you'll see deeper. Mm-hmm. So that's how it works. And l- like you, you've gone from drinking the surf, like the activity I'm doing yeah. to my emotional state and mental state around the past. You went deeper really, really fast. Yeah. Right? Same. I was smoking an incredible amount of weed in my early 20s. A little too much. You know, I started, I didn't really entertain weed or alcohol much in like high school. I smoked weed maybe once in high school or twice. And then I drank occasionally. And then I turned 21 and then the weed train never, like I was at that station every day mm-hmm. for, for years. <clears throat> and it made me feel good. I tapped into a creative space and, you know, the amount of excuses I made for it, just unbelievable. But mm. then I just... I got to working in the industry here in town. I moved here from Texas. You know, we don't, weed's not legal in Texas. So I'm working in the industry. In the cannabis industry. Cannabis industry. And, um, thank you. And I remember I'd have regulars that came in. Mm -hmm. Beautiful people, man. Creative, artsy moms and dads. And the first thing they do is they give me a big hug. Cause I give good hugs, man. I'm a (laughs) hugger. And, uh, and people are always like, man, you give great hugs. I'm like, you know, you're not the one who needs that hug. Mm. I am. And I always say, how are you? And they're like, I'm good. I've been looking forward to this day all week. Like, like buying weed. Yeah. Mm. How, how are your kids? Oh, they're fine. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm here. Hold on. You've got kids. You got a you know a job. But this is what you've been looking forward to all week. Mm. I didn't say this. Yeah. But after dealing with it, I was working forty almost forty hours a week. And you're hearing it every day. Oh dear God, I'm finally here. Thank you. I was like, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. So I let it go. And then Brennan by the again by the grace of God, he just like, let's let's break this. So for me, I've not broken no weed, no alcohol. I've been I've been very sound on that in my uh, celibacy. Celibacy has been like six months now, but with the weed and alcohol, it's been since the New Year's. Wow, good for you. Yeah, yeah man. that's awesome. You know, well, ever, I'm curious, what have you noticed since you've broken hmm. three major patterns? Um, the first thing I've noticed is there's not enough time in the day. <laughs> like that's the biggest one. Um, I'm I'm literally curious how the fuck I did anything <laughs> in my early twenties. Like, people are always like, you know, let's smoke a blunt, let's smoke a blunt. I'm like, why? Mm. Like, I, I, like, I've got to do my clothes. I got to do my laundry. I got to clean up my room. I got to file my taxes. I've got to make sure that I, I worked enough hours this week. I got to make sure that I'm doing this. And I'm like, is the song I'm writing good enough? Is it, you know, I'm, I'm just like trying to get shit mm. done. And when you're just jaded and you're just high all the time, I was like, how the fuck am I getting anything done? That's one. And two, I'm really tapping into my uh, wants, like mm. what I really want, because it's easy to want. Like, you, you typically, I'm not a sugarhead. Mm. I don't. I'm not. But you get me high or drunk. Pff, we in that McDonald's drive-through. I'm getting double meats with cheese and a McFlurry, and I'm getting like you know, like my my margin of like, what do I really want, and mm. what am I just doing to do mm-hmm. money on the other hand too i'm saving much more money i'm not spending as much money and those are the big things i'm getting out of so far gotcha and then on top of that like i'm just really looking at women 
in a different way because mm. <laughs> I was having a lot of flings. And because I was so afraid of being objectified, I just wanted to make them feel good. Mm. So I did everything to make them feel good. We'd be in that room for hours just having a good old time. Because I was so afraid of like, if I don't do this, they're just going to be a man. Be a man. Mm -hmm. And then when we're not there having sex or having fun, do they love me? Do they do they want me? That kind of thing. Mm. So those are the things I've noticed. Wow. Yeah. And that's the thing. You took care of three things you could see, and now you're seeing a lot more. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm also learning, like, the difference between like a friendship and a relationship. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you're redefining love for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's I, awesome. I really am. And it's hard. Like I think, and I was, I was going to say this earlier and I'm happy that we circled back to that. Somebody asked me, it's so hard. And I said, when was the last time you did pushups? They were like, well, fuck, I ain't done pushups in a while. I'm like, well, do you remember a time when you did? They were like, yeah. And I was like, you remember when you did that first 25? They're like, yeah, it sucked. I'm like, yeah, all right. But then you did it every day for two weeks. Mm. Now you're getting to 50 and 60. Does 25 seem hard after about a month of doing that? And you're like, no. Nothing gets easier. You just get better at handling it. You get you get better at handling it. And that's mm-hmm. the, the thing I'm trying to push to people. I can't quit weed. Try a day. Or at least instead of three blunts a day, one blunt. Yep. Then the second day, you know, because Brandon mentioned this in the first podcast, just try a day, two days, only on the weekends. But don't go to this extreme because your wife, shout out to your wife, Abby, for saying like, don't say that you're just going to quit. Yeah. (laughs) Don't say that. I'm going to enjoy... Mm. this when the occasion is right yeah and there's time so you just get easier i mean it gets you get better at handling it yeah mm-hmm. i think that really gets into what I, the next phase i want to talk about like we talked about you know recognizing we talked about uh the second part of what, uh, what i'm trying to get at um changing it um yeah like the identifying the steps to break free of those patterns and then like the ways to celebrate and like i think i mean i will say like for me like the ways to celebrate have just been that like I, I agree with both of those things like since I stopped drinking as much I've been able to work a ton more when and when I've when I when I started not drinking and I was having I had like that opened up like four hours a night to like mm-hmm. work and it also meant if I went to bed at one and I had to get up at six I got five hours of sleep like that's and then it's not a great sleeping habits but like I'm not waking up like super drained because I've just, I had four cocktails the night before. Right. Like I feel like I can feel inner, I can wake up with five hours of sleep and still go record podcasts, you know, like, and so, I mean, I definitely in the two months that I've been doing this, I've definitely been able to grow my business more than I've ever done. You know, in the last two years, mm-hmm. just by not like, cause there was a part where I was growing this business, but I was drinking four drinks a night and waking up every, like going to bed every night at like 10, waking up every morning at eight o'clock and feeling this sluggish, getting out and going running. Cause I'm still running every day. And like, and, but I'm now I'm just gaining all this time 
to do projects, more podcasts, more stuff like this. And like, it makes me realize like without taking away the drinking, like has really just opened up so many doors. Mm. Um, and the ways to celebrate that for me now, like since I feel like I've kind of broken that pattern of drinking is my way of celebrating it is I get to have a cocktail with Abby on a, on a Thursday night and I can just have that one cocktail. I can still work a little bit afterwards. I can still wake up without a hangover. And, and I just know that like the pattern I broke was like, I just don't need to drink four drinks a night. I can have one, I can have, I can have one martini, (laughs) but I need to stop there. Like, Mm -hmm. and I have had a couple nights where I've like, I've had, I had either I, I smoked too much, I smoked too much or I had two drinks or three drinks. And I'm like, this is, that was dumb. I made a mistake and, and I don't need to, I don't need to continue doing that. Like I need to, you know, go, I just need to have five days off or I need to, not even that. It's just like, it's just about getting it. I worked, I go through this all the time. It's just, it's, it's about grace. And when you do fail at something like this, not drinking, give yourself grace and realize like what I'm going through is like every, a lot of people are going through and I can, and it's just another day, one more day, like one day at a time. And that is a thing with, you know, AA. And I know, and I talked to, when I've talked to Carlos about this, like, I don't feel like I am an alcoholic, but that's one of those things that I know alcoholics say to themselves too. Like I'm not an alcoholic, but I am, but I can quit whenever I I want, but I can quit whenever I want. And I have that (laughs) feeling, but like, it also doesn't affect my day to day. And I think that's one thing I've recognized. Like it doesn't, it doesn't affect me um, the way it does, you know, other people. Like I, I have relatives that if they have a drink, they could kill themselves. Mm. Like if I have a drink, I'm not killing myself. Like I'm, I have one and maybe two. Yeah. Like I'm not. So anyways, that's a bad example, but, and, but the point I'm trying to get to is like celebrating wins of breaking patterns. Mm -hmm. See, my big celebration is just gathering around the people that I love the most. Mm. So I, I'm an R&B singer. I have a band. I ballroom dance. I uh, do this podcast and um, I have a skate family. I roller skate three times a week. Mm. So I just hang around those people and I look into these people's eyes and I see them. Mm. That's to me because like I wanted to be seen so bad as a kid. Like I was like, mom, dad, see me, mm. please see me. Mm. I'm, I'm doing the best I can. I'd slack off in school because I wanted to be seen by somebody, anybody. Yeah. I see everybody around me. Mm. That's my celebration. Looking at them and saying like, it's good to see you. Yeah. And then they're just like, oh, it's good to see you, man. But you know, they're just kind of wrapped up in themselves. I'm just like, Hey, Hey, it's it's good to see you. That's awesome. That's a great way to celebrate. Mm-hmm. What are the ways you tell me you tell tell people to celebrate? Well, like when they, I want to go back to what you you part of. I wouldn't call it celebrating, but a natural consequence of what you mm. decide is giving you a better life. Yes, like you have more energy and you're more aware and you don't wake up sluggish and all yeah. the rest of it. So there's that, and you get to enjoy your run a little bit more. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's all these natural consequences of making great decisions and breaking patterns. But then you also said I get to have a cocktail. So one of the other ways to celebrate is give yourself something that you enjoy. Mm. Go get a massage. Go to a movie. Buy buy something off Amazon that you wanted. Yeah. Um, something like that. The other one is relational, like you're talking about, John, where you go and celebrate with the people that you know, love, and care about you. Mm. And I would, what I'd want to make a distinction here too between what we're, what exactly are we celebrating? Because if 
if we celebrate, the, so they're celebrating mm. the outcome. Yeah. They're celebrating the actions we took to get to the outcome. But I think the most powerful thing to celebrate is who were we, we who were we being that did all that? Mm. Yeah. And that's the part that's so powerful because that's the part that tran- that we transformed. Right. So the, so Brendan, for you, the drinking, the part that you transformed was the automatic go get four cocktails a night. Mm-hmm. And you had to interrupt that. And that takes something that took being disciplined that took um, some level of, of looking at yourself in ways that, that took being with discomfort. Yeah. That took conversations with your wife that were probably awkward at times. Yeah. That took a lot of things, took courage. Um, and so all those are what the acknowledgement is for is what did it take for you as a human being to actually follow through with that yeah. set of actions that got you those consequences. And a quick story about kids, because this anybody that's a parent or going to be a parent, um, this is important in my opinion is they, um, they did this big study where they had two groups of kids and gave them a test and all did well on the test. And in one group, the teachers were instructed to acknowledge the good grades that the kid got. Mm. Like you, you aced that you did so great. You got a high score, blah, blah, blah. And that's all that they acknowledged. The other kids, the teachers were instructed to acknowledge and be proud of the hard work that the kids put in they got, they got high grades too, but they were acknowledged for the hard work that they put in. The impact of being acknowledged differently lasted for years as they follow these kids. The kids who were acknowledged for the high grades actually became fearful because it was mm. an image that they had to keep How up. How to get high grades. Yeah. And so I've got, there's all this pressure to perform. And so they couldn't do it. And so they avoided things and they avoided study because of the fear of failure. Right. The kids that were acknowledged for the hard work, that's always a choice that they can they can do is like, I'm either going to be lazy or I'm going to put in the hard work. Mm, right. And I like being acknowledged for something I can control. Whereas the outcome of a gray is a little harder to control. Right. And so those kids actually thrived because they wanted to be seen as hardworking. My dad always told me that he'd go, I failed the test. He'd go, did you do your absolute best? Yeah. That's a great example of that. Yeah. And he goes, and I'd say, uh, no. And he goes, well, son, just know. That if you know you could, if you know you left something on the table, of course I would be disappointed. But if you gave that test everything you could, like you tried and you tried and you tried, and you just came up short, I can never be disappointed in that. Mm-hmm. As long as I know you gave it your all. That's a great message. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he told me that when I was really young, and so everything I do, I try my hardest. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just like I can't leave anything on the table. And then with with giving up sex and weed and alcohol, I didn't realize how much I was leaving on the table. Mm. I I was just it was so it was just such a and then I'm just lying there and I look at stuff around me I'm like I could get that done but I don't just sit there but now you go into my room you thought a military man lived there everything's like very (laughs) structured and you know my I like everything squared away and then Mm. people look at me like only military men say squared away (laughs) it's like like my dad I was like my dad man my dad taught me a lot even though you know he was deployed a lot but he had his moments where you know, weekends when he was in town, you know, kids biking through the neighborhood, having fun. We weren't. My brother and I were in the yard, fixing the yard, mm-hmm. getting things. And then the kids be like, hey, John, Michael, come play. And I was like, no, we're not going to do that. Um, but I did have a question mm-hmm. for you. So you're a runner. Yeah. I'm a runner. Well, I don't run as much as he does. I ran my before I twisted the shit out of my ankle. But um, I use this metaphorically in life. Because people are living as if it's a sprint. The internet, 
information television it it breeds a lot of like fast thinking mm-hmm. and you go to live in your life that way it's easy to when there is a slowdown i'm bored yes i'm not doing mm-hmm. in the west we're a very go-getter and people will say well, this wow I'm like capitalism no you're putting it in a box mm. you have to separate the fact that there are little boxes in between them how do we enjoy <sighs> like how how can I do that because mm. it's a problem I still have mm-hmm. you know big where I'm like I don't have a thing I'm doing oh that I have to be doing something right and that isn't that's another addiction that is yeah. pretty rampant and remembering that our culture is money driven mm-hmm. and one of the best ways to make money is entertainment and so keep it and it's very competitive right and so the entertainment has to be snappy and fast and and so that leads to a culture where everybody is easily distracted yeah we got facebook instagram twitter uh, and uh, what else? We got instant news. We can go watch Russia in real time and the Ukraine yeah. thing. Yeah. Like everything is just instant. And so it sets us up for, like you said, for just fast thinking. And it's the opposite of the journaling that you had mentioned earlier, which is slow down and take note of what's actually happening inside of me. Mm. And that's really it. When you do it, sometimes the willingness to do that, you're like, ah, that sounds so boring. But once you get into it, it's so enriching. Yeah. So really the choice is between do I want to be entertained and left somewhat empty and needing entertainment or am I willing to slow down and nurture my soul and my heart and my mind in such a way that I actually like slowing? It's like enjoying the Grand Canyon versus mm-hmm. watching, you know, binge watching something. Yeah. yeah. Totally different experiences. And that's the experience that we can have of ourselves as well. I noticed there was a problem whenever I'd go see something beautiful in nature and I'd look at it for a minute or two and I'm like, all right, we can go see something else. I'm like, dog like god Mm. did this like (laughs) you know and i like i have to check myself which is why i slackline you ever slackline before yep terrible at it (laughs) it's tough because you work muscles that you never really work and then just saying that puts me in the fact of like i put my pants on one leg at a time like everybody else but how often do we think about that Mm. you're talking about being present Part of the way to get present is get out of the atmosphere where people are vying for my attention with neon lights, TV, sound bites, all that. Just get away from it all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Going into nature, going on a walk, like going on your runs, yeah. it's probably a very good... Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that. Like I, my slowdown, I, I feel like I wish it was my run. Sometimes it's just like, like the last couple of days, like my runs have just been me waking up at earlier to get in three miles just because I want to get my keep my streak alive. And those have not been relaxing. And my relaxing runs are on Saturdays when I don't work and I can go do my trail running and get out there and really like can like connect with my running. Like, but then my other slowdown moments are times like this. Like, and I know it seems like I'm working, but like, you know, podcasting for me is my passion. And it's a reason why I'm on a lot of my podcasts is because I enjoy this and my slowdown is being able to have these conversations. It's my, my, my go, go, go nature is me being like, I don't have time for this because mm. I need to make podcasts that make me money. And then I realize, well, if I, then, then I realize like, well, if I don't do stuff like this, I'm not testing myself. I'm not doing what my profession is. Then I'm, 
just going to hate my job. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and every time I do these, I'm just like, I realize like, I love podcasting, love interviewing people. I love talking to people. And, but my, like my other side of my mind is like, I need to be doing other things to make me money. But this is my slowdown. Mm-hmm. Even though it seems like when I come in hot, like trying to set everything up, it make like, it seems like I'm stressed out or whatever. Like, but this is it. Like doing my podcast that I want to do are that is my that's why I that is my slowdown. And, and, and running is that too. But running is more of a that's that's something I probably should talk to a therapist about. <laughs> <laughs> what are you running from? Bro? <laughs> no, no, it's probably just like an OCD thing. Now I get I get so like um, I get so self involved with that that like I feel like it's primitive, man. Well, I feel it's just like, like one of those like I I tell. I mean, it's just like talking to Abby, I'm just like, well, I got to go run. She's like, Brendan, I know you have to go run because it's been four years. Like, <laughs> I mean, like I don't need to tell her that anymore. She knows that I need to find an hour or 30, you know, 35 minutes to an hour to go run. Um, and um, so that, that it almost isn't my slowdown anymore because it's almost a stress, but like I've built it into my routine so much that like it becomes second nature to go find a run. Cause it's like, cause I built in that, I built that into my, all of my days. Can I have a question? Yeah. Do you run the same trails? I run the, like by, by my house, I run the same trails today. I'll, I brought my running clothes. I'll go probably run a loop that I normally run. Um, but yeah, I kind of make my runs. I kind of free form my runs. Okay. The reason I ask is because like, I feel like similarity can do that too. Mm. Like, you know, I'm a musician. I play my guitar and then mm. I'll run through the same guitar riffs or licks. And then I find myself like, okay, you know, like yeah. I'm just doing my thing. It's like, wait, yeah, get a little creative here. Yes. Do something different or sing a song different. Like I have a song where I'm just like, yeah, but then uh, I'll go, yeah, <laughs> like I'll change it up to kind of give my mind that refresher of like, Hey dude, yeah. you're not just stuck to the same you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I'll tell you one way I like kind of, this is, I'll do this really quick. I run on treadmill. Sometimes I hate running on treadmills cause I end up just watching something I don't want to watch or, and I don't have anything in front of me to, to look at. I've started, I think I told you this. I, I watched, I've started scrolling TikTok when I run <laughs> because like I hate doom scrolling TikTok in my bed, but I can scroll and run at the same time. All right, Siri. Sorry. And, uh, and that's like, that's a way to spice up treadmill, treadmill runs is scroll TikTok. Um, <laughs> Do you have any kids, Carlos? Two kids, two girls. How old are they? Seven and five. Wow. How old are you now, brother? Awesome. 49. Mm. 49. Oh, wow. man, we're almost there. We're almost there. Um, uh, this is the year. Is this a year? This is oh, the year. Man. Wow. What, 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 what day? Uh, end of October. Oh, oh man. That's exciting. <laughs> the 31st? 30th 30th oh wow. wow wow very cool how did you did you did you come up with that yourself that yeah, you, you just said end of october i was like oh, oh end of october yeah, okay, yeah, gotcha. yeah. <laughs> yeah so um I, I like i briefly just for like some of the listeners that i know peep this podcast he carlos was in his mid-30s looking at his life will i get married will i have kids i'm in this boat and there are several of y'all who are listening that feel the same way mm. like I don't have kids. I'm not married. I'm struggling with my relationships. There is no rush. He is 49 going on 50. Brennan, how old are you? 38. 38. So he's 38 going on 40. 
we are all trying to make decisions to be better. Mm. It doesn't happen in two weeks. Yeah. It doesn't happen in six months. It doesn't happen in three years. Take your time. We love you. <laughs> and, you know, we're here, man. This, yeah. this is, uh, it takes a village. Yeah, so, I, I, so protect the village. I love that. I, I, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's a lot of people in their mid thirties right now. They're like, they think they need to have it all figured out. And like, I felt like I had it all figured out when I was in my, when I was 18 and I met my wife and, and I thought I did. And, but I, luckily I've stayed in my relationship with my wife for the last 20 years, but like even, so that's evolving. But like during that entire time, like I've worked, I worked in a cubicle wall factory. I've done multiple marketing jobs. I've, you know, and I always thought I had it figured out, but like, I'm always changing. And, uh, and like, I think a lot of people in the thirties, like think that they need to have it figured out right now. And like, you don't like, Mm -hmm. so yeah. And go at the pace that, yeah, that makes sense. Like we talked about breaking habits, break the habits, you know, to break. Yeah. Respond to life with the things that life is bringing up in front of you. Just respond to that. Yeah. And it'll lead you exactly where you need to go. And the, and the way to make everything longer and take too long is try to skip steps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you can trust that slowing down, Mm. opening up to people, just dealing with, with, with what there is to deal with. It's actually speeds up the process. That's so much. That's so true. Cause like, I lo- I, I wish I could, we could go on forever. I know I haven't, but I, it, when it, that's so true, like I wanted to quit my job marketing, but I knew that wasn't the best choice. Like, and there's always this option, like quitting my job will just solve all the questions. It's not true. Like it's, it's, you need to have, you need to figure that out. Like I wanted to quit my job, but that my habit back then was like, I would just quit my jobs and then get another job. And that was every two years, every two years, every two years. And then at my last job, it was like, no, I need to find an out from this job and go into something that like, I know I can then go into. It's not so much quitting. It's more finding a new path. And, uh, and, and yeah, I love that. Like, don't just think you can just, just drop it and it's going to change your life because it's just going to create more stress. Mm-hmm. I have a question, Carlos. Yeah. Um, when it comes to like your relationships with your parents, and, and, you know, folks who are suffering through, you know, whether it's passive or underlying anger, um, whatever it may be. And, you know, I know this is a hard question because everybody's different, but how would you kind of go about somebody who's like, we like, damn, I do have a weird relationship with my parents. Like, would you recommend just like journaling about it? Would you recommend maybe like when you go have dinner with them, like actually try and talk to them. Like, and, and obviously like it's, it's difficult because you know, kids, we put our parents on a pedestal, mm. but how do we go about wanting to take the initial step? Because sometimes, you know, it takes two to tango and there's a lead and there's a follow. How can we lead ourselves to that point? If there's like a, a, a way of doing that. Yeah. You mentioned two really good ones right off the bat. Journaling is a good one. Just getting aware of myself. Mm-hmm. Talking to parents is a really good one. For some people, that's just not possible. Right. Where right. there might be issues that are just way uncomfortable or, mm-hmm. or, or even illegal to happen or whatever. So, but talking at all is really a good idea. Mm-hmm. And every therapist on the planet that's worth their salt, every counselor is worth their salt, every coach has been trained in childhood stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that 
Why? Because that's the universal. We wake up, or we wake up, we grow up mm. in an imperfect world, in imperfect relationships, and screw ourselves up by interpreting what that means about me. And then, mm. yeah. and as adults, we carry those stories around. And so it's about healing stories and, and then reconciling those relationships where possible. Another good, you know, a step between coaching and, and uh, therapy is actually, uh, so there's a group called ACA. It's adult, ACA. Yeah, it's Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families. Mm. And it's a self-governed group, um, like group, kind of like group therapy. Mm-hmm. And you just, you talk with other people that have similar mm. traits and it goes down the traits like people pleasing and low self-esteem mm. and workaholism and all these other things that are traits of kids that grew up in somewhat dysfunctional home. Um, and getting, and then going, working some steps together has I did that. I actually did that mm. and um, was part of an ACA group here in Spokane. It was Very absolutely cool. awesome. And so we, we refer mm. to each other as fellow travelers huh. and it's just, it's awesome. And mm. so there's a little, you know, non-religious, but prayer at the beginning, it's the serenity prayer. And at the mm. end it's, but they changed it. I can't remember now. I can't remember how it goes. God grant me the wisdom to change the things uh, that I can change. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I, I'm forgetting it, but I, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But they, they change it at the end where they go, and the, and the wisdom to know that that... To know the difference or something Well, like they that. change the difference thing to know, and to know, mm. and the wisdom to know that person is me. Ah, uh, uh, that's good. Yep. That's good. And if I had the full quote, you'd probably, are you looking for a brand? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have the full quote, it really, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And on your journey, Carlos, this mm-hmm. is probably my biggest thing. Um, we, obviously, we follow God. Um, but is there a person or persons in your life that, you know, I would imagine your wife for sure, like a foil, somebody that's really helped you be the vessel and grow to be the vessel. Um, is there anybody off the top, you know, that you can think of tons of people? Just just, my life is, (laughs) well, I decided just through my own hurt. And then there's, you know, my adoptive family wasn't perfect either. And when I was 12, I decided these are not people I'm ever going to open up to. And I just shut, I shut down completely. Mm-hmm. And then the next question was, who's going to treat me? Who's going to teach me how to live? And so from age 12, I started scanning my environment, school and sports and whatnot, or who can I trust that would be a mentor to me? And I started creating mentors mm-hmm. out of people that I trusted and respected. And I've always been like that. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's a lot of people, and I would mm. say by God's grace, he's brought a lot of good people into my life. Uh, clients teach me a ton. Jerry Sitzer, who is Dr. Jerry Sitzer, he's a professor at Whitworth, okay. um, was my um, advisor when I was there and also a professor of mine and a friend. We coach soccer together, oh, cool. and uh, he's walked through a lot of personal tragedy, but an incredible mentor, incredible human being. Um, and then just, yeah, there's been so many people. Mm-hmm. But he's the one, especially local. He's a local uh, yeah. man here in town mm-hmm. and uh, just an incredible guy. And I still go to see him every few months. And, uh, yeah, he's spoken into my life mm-hmm. as much or more than anybody else. Oh, that's that was awesome. a great question. Did Thank he you. write Amazing Grace? Is that It's called a Grace, a Grace Disguised. A Grace Disguised. Um, yeah, you should read that book. It's a, His story is sad. I mean, not sad. It is sad. It is, it is very sad. Um, it's tragic. Actually, it's tragic. Um, and we can talk, yeah, we can tell you about that. But then um, he comes out the other end, yeah. just an extraordinary human being. That's amazing. Did you find it? Uh, yeah, so the, the ACA, ACA serenity prayer is, today I seek the serenity to accept the people I cannot change and the courage to change the one I can and the wisdom to know that one is me. So mm, I think that yeah. is beautiful. That's it. That's um, can I ask my question? 
One more question. No, the uh, my my usual. Oh yeah, I want let's yeah let's like, yeah let's close it down with that and uh, and then yeah ask right. your ask your let's just do one to, one to, okay to, all right deal um, <laughs> I do this to everybody I meet especially okay. for the first time just because it's my biggest practice okay. in the morning and the evening um, I normally do three but um, what is one thing you are the most grateful for and not. Yeah, I mean, I usually always say pertaining to today, but it's early. Um, we've I feel like it's been a busy week for everybody. <laughs> I've been up so, since four thirty. So. No, this has been a great. All right, fair enough. So, what is one thing that you are the most grateful for? And you know, a lot of people say you know the typical stuff like my dog, my kids, mm-hmm. my. But what's one thing that really was like, man, that really was. Well, we can let Carlos do three. I, me and yeah, you. Yeah, we'll do one. Right, yeah, yeah, give me three. Um. I would say the biggest one in it, it was today. I do a, one of my coaches is a meditation coach and he's a Christian sure. meditation coach. And so it's not, we're not zinning out on nothingness where we're really trying to experience God. And mm. this, one of the issues I have, I'm shut down in some areas emotionally and I have a hard time at, at times I have a hard time experiencing love. Um, mm. I can experience joy. I can experience lots of different emotions, but for some reason, like love itself, is this weird elusive thing. And it's just from passive abandonment, as you can imagine. So, mm. and so that's a, an emotional muscle that I'm currently actively working on regenerating that ability to feel in that way. Mm-hmm. And this morning, uh, during the meditation, part of, part of the meditation was to feel God's love. And there was a specific way that the uh, instructor had us do that by, mm. it doesn't really matter how he did it, but mm-hmm. I felt God's presence and God's love for me. And that oh, was amazing. It was just really cool. I mean, my whole body was mm. buzzing and I could just feel it. And I was like, cool, I'm coming back. My heart's coming <laughs> back online. I'm coming back alive. <laughs> so that's something I'm super grateful for. It feels mm. good too. Oh, oh, we are doing three. Yeah. Oh, you go. Yeah, yeah, we'll let you do yeah. three. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Am I allowed to include my yes, family yes, or not? Yes, oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. My wife, number yeah. two, yeah. absolutely I is. I, I always admire that because <laughs> almost all my bandmates are like my wife. My wife, I'm like, must be nice. <laughs> but, I remember yeah. the days of being single and I'm like, to all the married guys, I'm like, well, you're going to go talk to your wife. I'm going to talk to my pillow. Yeah, my must be nice. Jeez. No, my wife, she has walked. As you know, I was the jerk to her for for a while, the unintentional jerk, and mm. she'd walked through that and been patient, and yeah. and uh, that's it, her patience and her love all the way through my healing process. And as you know, she already said what it was like to be around me back in the day, and I, I hope I've been getting better. I know I have been. I want her experience of our marriage to be one where she's like, man, I'm the luckiest woman in the world, and uh, I'm working on becoming that man that can give her that experience in our marriage. And so I'm, ex- I'm just grateful for her, for her love that is just persistent and mm. patient and, and uh, she's just a wonderful human being. Mm. So I, I'm grateful for my wife. That's awesome. And number three is my kids, oh, my I two, my that. two girls and uh, Kyra and Kaylee. Kyra's the older one at seven. She's a tremendous reader. She's very, very intelligent, mm. very, she's very much like my wife in that very patient, very methodical, and uh, very careful about things, uh, but also super loving and generous. And then my five-year-old is much more like me, a little rambunctious, a little <laughs> mischievous. 
She tried to crawl in bed with my wife and I last night, and she insisted on laying on the blankets, not under. Oh, and she God. demanded her way. No, we're not. I'm not doing it. And so I moved to the couch. It was a whole thing. <laughs> but I just love. She just has such a zest for life, and she goes for it. She's passionate, mm-hmm. and uh, and in a, in the best five year old possible way is just demands that that her passion is realized. And yeah. so I love that about her. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. There. What about you, Bryn? Uh, my big thing that I'm grateful for right now is, and I, I, I feel like it's karma. Um, I, I famously said on a podcast a couple of weeks ago and then went and told Abby, like, I really feel like there's this thing, like the more good you put in the world, the more good you get back. And Abby's like, and I'm like, I really felt like I was on something. She's like, Brennan, you know, that's karma, right? That's what people call karma. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's. That's a good point. I, I, will, I shouldn't say I'm grateful for karma, but like I'm really grateful for the relationships I made. Like just this morning, like I was doing a podcast and the guy that came in that was a guest on the show was a like someone I just made a, another connection with and like he wants to start a podcast. <laughs> and so like it just like the more you realize that you're, the more I realize that I'm just helping people and doing this out of the, the goodness of my heart. Like, I know that sounds weird saying, cause it sounds kind of like um better like than, or it kind of sounds like I'm not. I hear passion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why I try to have it be. And, uh, it makes me realize like that you get, when you do stuff like that, like it, you're going to get good stuff in return. Mm-hmm. You're going to get people to take advantage of you, but more, so, I think more so than that, if you are around the right people, you're going to get the good back. And I can't be more grateful for the people I've met over this last two months that have helped me take this business to the next level. Cool. What about you, John? Um, I think this one's pretty obvious mainly because of, uh, you know, I'm just a Texan. I am not from here. Um, I'm grateful for this, this podcast. Mm. It's different than a lot of what Spokane is on. Um, Not to say they're in a wrong niche or whatever. We are tapping into something that people will run away from Mm. and they they don't feel like, oh, I just can't be vulnerable. Mm. You are listening and peeping in and no one is seeing you. We love you. We hear you. Mm. We are you. And... um, this podcast because since the first episode dropped, I know two people in particular that have said your podcast has really touched me Mm. and it's going to change my life. Mm. And to have this be Carlos, a pleasure. Yeah. Really. Thank you. Um, Thank you as well. I'm grateful for this podcast. We're doing things that people again are afraid to do. Yeah. And And I, I'm, that's really nice to hear. Like I, when I think about, you know, doing podcasts, like, I never do it for the listens. I do it for helping people in some part of their lives. Right. Um, and it's nice to hear that, you know, people are listening and that it's helping them, even if it's just two people. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's important. Uh, and uh, thank you again, Carlos, for coming. I couldn't think of a better first guest to be on Breaking Patterns with me and John. Uh, before and we was first guest. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah you're the first yeah. guest. Yeah. Um, cool. And if, if people wanted to, co- I, know, I don't know your, I know that you're very busy, uh, but if someone wanted to connect with you to find coaching or to coach with you, like where can they find you? 
Yeah, if somebody wants to bother me. <laughs> Not bother you, but like, <laughs> just, I just, I, I feel like, even if you can't coach, hey, you if can, I get a waiting, can, I'll take a waiting list. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Right. Um, yeah, if somebody wants to get a hold of me, has questions, that not even if they want to hire me, if they yeah. just have questions or whatever, I'm I'm happy to give out information. So my email is transformationpath at gmail. And let's see. That's about probably the information I want to give out. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's good. Yep. Transformationpath at gmail.com. That's it. And equally, like if anyone wants to just reach out to us on at Spokast on Instagram, hello at spokast.com. And you want us to get, and you want me to get you connected with Carlos, I can do that. Um, please, please, we feel we, please, just reach out. And yeah, I'm, thank you so much. And thank, thank you, John. You, thank, thank you. Guys. Thank really you good for meeting you, John. It was yeah. great meeting you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, until next time, this is Spokast. Yeah. Peace. Peace.